49er faithful what is going down it's jd joined as always by 49er tone and jp here on the forever faithful podcast this is episode five we are five episodes deep already you guys we're coming to you this time early on a saturday morning i don't know about you guys man but uh it's early for me i'm 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 struggling right now i'll be real with you but as always, there is 49ers stuff, 49ers news to, to get into, of course, and uh, nobody brings it to you better than the Forever Faithful podcast. This week, we got a few different topics we want to get into, but here on First Down, we're going to get into uh, what we seemingly always get into, and, and that's the latest in the Reuben Foster legal drama. I mean, it seems like every other day there's some new development in the case, and, uh, you know, you know that hasn't changed. There's, there's new developments that are going on right now with Reuben Foster's legal situation. Uh, things are getting, you know, more murky, it seems. More details keep coming out, uh, and, and here we are. So, JP, I figure, you know, we should let you start us off here on first down. Tell the faithful... What's going on in, in the latest developments with Reuben Foster's legal situation? And, and give us your thoughts on, on what's what's happening. What's up, everybody? Yes, uh, the Reuben Foster situation. I feel like it's every every week we have something new. Uh, hear the sirens go off, and uh, we know it's Reuben Foster time. But uh, so Reuben Foster went to uh, went to court this past week. Uh, he pled not guilty on his preliminary hearing is set now for May 17th. Um, it's basically putting putting pressure on the DA's office uh, there in Santa Clara. Um, it's basically the ball's in their court now. It's basically saying, hey, you know, it's your time to make a decision. You know, um, his ex came out or his girlfriend or whatever you want to call it, this chick came out and, and basically said she made everything up and all this isn't true. So, um, you know, and, and the DA's office still wanted to pursue um, some sort of charges against Ruben. They still wanted to do their investigation. And um, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it, I think a lot of Niner fans are kind of wondering what's what's going on. Uh, why would you, you know, the girl already came out, said she lied. None of it's true, but they still want to um, they still want to they still want to try to pursue this uh, this case and try to close it. But. Like I said, Ruben, Ruben Foster pleaded not guilty, as you know, as he should. Um, 
and uh, we'll find out what's going to happen May 17th. There was also something right before he went into to court uh, to plead not guilty. Um, some news came out about, um, I guess, when he was arguing with, with his girlfriend or, or this, this young lady that uh, he picked up her, her dog and threw it across the room. Um, I just think that's kind of funny that th- that news, I, I know JD, uh, when I was talking to JD, JD touched on this, but the, the news came out right before he went into court. And I thought that was a, <laughs> it's a little funny. You know, if you had the whole report on exactly what happened when they argued and, and, um, and all that, but you, you, you know, you, uh, decide to bring this news out right before he goes into court. I think that's a little fishy. I think that's a little, uh, I think they're pushing it a little bit there. But um, <clears throat> but there you go. That's not, now you guys are caught up on, on the Ruben Foster situation. I think, I don't know, man. I think it's 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 a little much. Um, it's kind of a, a witch hunt, uh, kind of a going in circles here. I'm not sure what exactly they're going to do. A lot of people are saying, you know, come May 17th, the DA's office is just going to have to drop the case. I mean, there's no, there's nothing there. I think they're reaching with, with the dog, you know, throwing the dog, the dog, you know, didn't have no injuries. I mean, it was fine. I think they're reaching now. I think they're trying to find something, you know, at the bottom of the pot to try to, you know, accuse Ruben of doing something. Um, and, you know, they don't want, at the end of the day, the DA's office doesn't want to to come out with egg on their face looking stupid. But, uh, you know, the people who really know about this case, I mean, even now, you know, it's out in the public. I I think they, it's, they're, they're reaching. So, um, Tone, what do you think about the situation? Do you think it's just the, you know, wild goose chase? What do you, what, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, man, I, I think... Um... It's definitely a witch hunt, like you said. Uh, one of the things that was interesting is, is you brought up, uh, you know, the dog news came before the day of the uh, uh, trial. I mean, not trial, the uh, court date. Um, I just think it's funny because it's all strategic. I think both sides are playing, trying to, uh, you know, have their plans on trying to one up each other. Remember the, uh, the, all this news that leaked out that the girlfriend live became the day before the NFL draft. Um, you know, I, I think both sides are, you know, strategically trying to, you know, one up each other, but I, I think it, the dog thing might've been a desperate move. Uh, you know, I wasn't there. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but from what everything that's being presented out to the public is it is going ahead and sounding like it's a desperate, um, just a desperate, uh, you know, move on their part because I mean, throwing the dog, the dog didn't have no injuries. You know, who's to say that he even touched the dog? Um, I mean, I, I just think, I just think it's a desperate move. I don't know, man. Th- this whole case is just totally just out there for me, man. I, I don't know what to think about it. I mean, you hear one thing and then it goes down a week later, there's another. Uh, all these things getting leaked, but apparently the 49ers and the DA's office knows about all this information, but the public is just slowly, slowly coming out. So, you know, I, I think May 17th, with all the information that's being presented to the public, I think May 17th should be the day that the DA should drop the case. But then again, with the way this case is going, we just don't know. So, um, you know, the 49ers have stuck by their dude. I know we repeatedly said this on this podcast, uh, and, and, I, and I'm very happy that the 49ers stuck by, but 
as far as what's happening on May 17th, it's just, it's up in the air. But I, my personal opinion, I think it should be uh, thrown out. But it is funny how both sides are, you know, playing this uh, leaking game to the media, you know, the day before something happens. So, but anyways, yeah, that's just what I think. And it's, it's just a weird case, but I really hope it gets thrown out and, you know, Ruben Foster, the type of player he is. And, and well, first of all, most importantly, the type of man that he is, hopefully he learns not to put himself in any type of situation like this. Sometimes you don't have no control, but you have control of the people you surround yourself with. And I uh, hope he smartens up, um, uh, you know, making better choices than that. But uh, as far as football player, man, we, I would absolutely – we absolutely still need this guy. Um, so I, I hope he gets thrown now because it sounds like he didn't do anything. You know, what's funny to me in, in, in this whole uh, set of recent developments, uh, you guys touched on it with the news that Ruben allegedly threw a dog across the room. I, I feel like both sides are, are playing poker with each other and they're trying to figure out who's bluffing and they're trying to figure out, you know, who's doing what. And they're holding on to these trump cards in their back pocket and pulling them out as they need to. I feel like each side is coming out with new pieces of information at strategically imposed times. They're, they're holding on to little bits of information in their back pocket. And, and when the time is right, they'll, they'll reveal, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. You're hearing new details on certain things, new aspects at, at, at certain times. And it's just kind of funny to me how uh, they came out with that recent development about Reuben Foster throwing the dog across the room. What's funny to me, though, why didn't we hear anything about that any sooner? I mean, why was that detail not brought out any sooner? And, and the way I look at it, th this case has kind of been turned on its head. The DA thought that they had something concrete, that they were just going to be able to throw the book at Reuben Foster, and it was a done deal. He was guilty. But uh, lo and behold, this case has kind of been turned on its head, and the court of public opinion has started to side with Reuben Foster as of late. And so now, what does the DA do? They, they put out a little, bit of, you know, a little bit of the story that we haven't heard, a new detail that Reuben threw the dog across the room. And what pulls it at people's heartstrings more than animal abuse stories. You know, the, I think they put out that little detail just to get people like you and me upset with Ruben. You know, at this point, I believe everyone is under the impression that Ruben Foster is not going to end up being convicted of any of this stuff with, with the, the, the domestic violence and whatnot. But, you know, we think that the story is, is, heading, is heading in Ruben's favor, of course. So what does the DA do? They throw out this detail that Ruben threw a dog across the room to get the court of public opinion back on their side, to, to have us be angry with Ruben Foster, because nothing pulls at people's heartstrings more than animal abuse stories. So I, I think it's funny that they, they held on to that trump card for as long as they did, and now they're grasping for straws, and that has Ruben, uh, you know, they're trying to put Ruben in a bad light again. But at the end of the day, you talk to any legal experts, media members, what have you. This case is not going to go anywhere. Reuben Foster is going, these charges are going to be dropped. Uh, and the only thing that they're going to really be able to try Reuben on is the gun charge. And the gun charge isn't even that serious of an offense. So 
this is going to be, you know, be resolved before training camp. And I expect Reuben Foster to be on the field this season. Now, he got arrested, of course, for the marijuana possession. Uh, he got uh, arrested for this whole domestic violence situation. Uh, and it's not a good look. So just on that alone, I think Reuben will be suspended a few games. I, I think I think the magic number is going to be four. I think four games. Just, a, you know, a zero zero tolerance policy in this situation. You know, don't put yourself in stupid situations. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Um, and I feel like the NFL is going to kind of, you know, come down on Ruben a little bit, give him four games and say, look, we know you didn't really do anything, but it's not a good look for you. It's not a good look for your team. It's not a good look for the NFL. So get your shit together. Um, but at the end of the day, that it's only going to be, you know, probably a handful of games and Ruben will be on the field this season. I think it's safe to say that at this point. So. There you have it, Faithful, the latest in the Reuben Foster drama. Of course, you know we had to talk about it because we always talk about the Reuben Foster drama here on the Forever Faithful podcast. Uh, with that, I think we're going to head on into second down. Now, another development that happened in the world of the 49ers this week happened uh, on social media. I was uh, I was scrolling on, on Instagram the other day, and I see Patrick Willis made a post on Instagram talking about how he walked away from the game and, you know, he gave everything he had. And when he couldn't give everything he had anymore, he walked away the whole deal that, that you know, everybody knows the Patrick Willis story, but he, he made some, some posts uh, with him up at a podium, a picture of him at a podium uh, back from his playing days and, and had some caption to it um, saying, you know, he, he gave everything he had. And, and when he couldn't anymore, he walked away from his teammates and, uh, he kind of just a little reflective post, if you will, uh, on his playing days. That shows you, one, that, that Patrick Willis is thinking about football. I mean, it's getting to be the time of the year where players are, are getting ready to gear up for another season. They're getting ready for, for uh, the, the mini camps in June. They're getting ready for training camp. Preseason's right around the corner. So just in, in Patrick Willis's DNA, who he is as a person, he's getting he's getting those those feelings again uh, of wanting to lace him up and play you know he is whether he's going to play or not ever again you know is a whole nother story but just as a, as a former football player he know you know you know he's feeling it you know he's he's itch getting that itch again and uh under that that post that patrick willis made was something that i noticed that not too many people are talking about that there might be a bigger story than we think joe staley put a comment under that little Instagram post and said, uh, you still got it, man, come back. And, and even put in a little eyeball emoji, like, Hey, I'm looking at you. So it looks like whether it's, it's very serious or not, Joe Staley is kind of recruiting Patrick Willis to come on back, uh, over to Santa Clara there and, you know, at the Niners practice facility and lace them up and, and, and get ready for a season. Um, Patrick Willis has said, that he's done. He's not coming back. And and I'm one to believe him. He walked away, you know, at the peak of his career, 30 years old, on pace for, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame career. And he walked away from it. He walked away from the money. He walked away from the fame. He walked away from the accolades, the Hall of Fame, his teammates. He walked away from it in his peak, you guys. So I don't think Patrick Willis is going to come back. But it's interesting to me that Joe Staley – one of the, the very last teammates that he had who's still on this team is recruiting him to come back. 
And it's, it's interesting to me that, that Joe Staley's doing that. They ran into each other at a Golden State Warriors game a, a couple months ago. And uh, now here we are, Joe Staley on Instagram, recruiting Patrick Willis to come back. I, I'm sure Joe Staley, every time he sees him, is you know nudging him on the shoulder saying, hey, man, you've been working out? Hey, man, you want to go throw the football around? Hey, dude, uh, you know how are you feeling? How's the foot feeling? Are you, are you feeling good? How's your body? You, you know that Joe Staley has got to be you know talking in Patrick Willis's ear every chance he sees him and saying, hey, man, you still got it. You can come back. Trying to gas him up, trying to hype him up because Patrick Willis on the field, we all know, was one of the, the better linebackers in the last you know, 20, 25 years. Uh, I, for one, have my own feelings on Patrick Willis in general. Um, but, Tone, what, what are your thoughts on Joe Staley potentially recruiting Patrick Willis to come back? Well, I think it's a fun topic. Um, I, I I don't take it uh, too serious. Uh, I wish it was more serious than how I took it. But I, I think it's a fun topic, just the hypotheticals, what if, um, because we're talking about a, a Hall of Fame all-time great linebacking talent um, who was a great person off the field, had a great story, and put his heart and soul into this, uh, into the San Francisco 49ers organization. And uh, I would love for him to come back. If, if he said the word like, hey, you know, my body is rested. I am ready to come back. Uh, you know, I, I'm the one that keeps mentioning, hey, why not look at Navarro Bowman? You know, if, forget Navarro Bowman. If Patrick Goose wants to come back, <laughs> then you take him with open arms. You give him every single tryout, every single uh, camp, whatever, to, to get him ready. And, uh, yeah, he would bring a lot to this defense, just the knowledge, uh, just, just the experience, the young players looking up to him. And, uh, honestly, would you guys disagree besides Patrick, uh, besides uh, Reuben Foster and maybe Malcolm Smith because, he, you know, he's played – more recently than Patrick, but I mean, really, if Patrick Willis said he was coming back right now, would you? Wouldn't you guys think he would be a starter for the San Francisco Forty ers at the linebacking position? I mean, I think he would. Uh, I mean, just the the talent alone, even if it's a few years out, uh, you know, it might take him a little time to get back, but and definitely he probably won't be at his peak anymore. But he's got that experience. He he's got that type of talent where he can still be a top linebacker. Um, I mean, hey, I love Staley. He's one of the all-time 49er offensive linemen in history as well, and 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 always been a a, a real, just a really cool, you know, type of guy who 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 does stuff like this and and and. and you know, he, he's he's funny and uh, out there. And, you know, I love – you got to love Joe Staley. And for him to do that and get people, 49er fans, talking a little bit about it, um, you know, I, I just think it's uh, – I, I think it's a cool thing. I, I just I just wish it was a little more serious because he – you know, Patrick Willis is such a special player in, in all, all of our hearts, but especially in my heart and my mind, man. I, I love number 52 – and, uh, yeah, I, I just wish he was able to, you know, he, he wants to come back. But 
it just seems like he's hard to set on something else in his life. And, you know, God bless him. You know, I he did everything for this organization. And, I'm, I'm you know, whatever he decides to do, I, I definitely support because he that man put everything into this organization. And uh, as a 49er fan, um, I, I appreciate everything he has done. So, you know, I think it's a cool thing, but I, I don't know how serious it, it will be. Well, I better uh, better make up for for last week. I know a lot of Niner fans hate me uh, about trashing Jimmy G, so I won't trash Patrick Willis this week. But uh, but no, in all seriousness, I man, Patrick Willis is probably you know top five favorite Forty Nine er of all time. Just uh, just the way he carried himself, just the way he uh, it's just it's just the way he played his game. You know what I mean? Um, He's he's one of my favorite 49ers. And uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see to see, you know, uh, especially Joe Staley. Joe Staley's one of my favorites as well. Joe Staley interact with with Patrick Willis like that. And um it's it's kind of cool. But uh to be realistic, I, I I don't really think it's gonna happen. Um if you look towards the end of Patrick Willis's career as well, um he missed 12 games in the in the last two years, and you can tell that there was there was some, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a hundred percent. Um, and there, there wasn't, uh, you know, he, I think it was just, he had a lot of, uh, foot injuries, um, that was holding him back. So, um, I, I'm not sure if he'll come back. Uh, I, I'm, I know he won't come back, but I, I'm not sure if, you know, if, if he does come back, if he'll be, uh, healthy, hundred uh, percent healthy or whatnot. So, um, it's, it's, fu- it's fun to talk about, but, um, you know, I don't really think it's realistic. As far as Joe Staley, man, Joe Staley is hilarious. Um, Tone was t- touching on it. I mean, he's he's kind of like the life of the the 49ers locker room. He's getting everybody laughing, getting everybody up. Um, I don't know if you guys have checked out uh, the second best show on the internet, uh, the Joe Show, obviously Forever Faithful podcast number one. Um, but definitely, you know, check that out. He's he's hilarious. He interacts with uh, a lot of the 49ers. Um, he 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 teases the rookies and whatnot, so it's it's kind of funny. He's he's like I said, one of my favorite Niners as well. So, um, but hey, um, will he be a starter if he comes back? I mean, if he if he can play like he like he was back in you know uh, 2013 uh, 2012 season, holy man, yes, of course. But um, we don't know. You know, I don't I don't think he's he's uh, he's able to um I, hey, JP, it, I, JP yeah. I, I I think I think the type of talent with with Patrick Willis I think if it's even 70 percent would you take a 70 percent Patrick Willis and would you say that you can put him in the starting role right now oh without a doubt without a doubt I can put a 50 percent Patrick Willis out there you know in his prime if he like I was saying if he played like he played in 2012 and 2013 I mean if he, if he played like that, he put a 50% Patrick Willis out there and he'll be better than, you know, you know, the top five linebackers in the league right now. Um, but Hey, um, if, if Foster does get suspended for four games, you never know. Hey, Patrick Willis might hop in there for four games. That'd be kind of nice, but, um, but no, it's, it's fun to talk about, but I, uh, you know, Patrick Willis, like you said, tone, he's, he's gone a different way in his, in his lifestyle. And I'm sure he, I'm, you know, he's been back to the, to the Niners um, games a few times before, you know, the pregame festivities and whatnot. So 
Um, it's cool to have him around, number 52, but I think he's better on the sidelines and, and whatnot. Hey, you never know. Maybe have some, like, coaching in him. Um, that would be pretty cool. But uh, those are my thoughts. J.D.? You know, uh, J.P., you – you went on the record last week and, and, and bashed Jimmy Garoppolo and announced that, you know, you pretty much hate Jimmy Garoppolo and you think he's terrible and that, you know, you, you didn't want him on this team. That's pretty much what you said last week, right? Yeah, that's 100% facts. <laughs> no, no, guys. He, he, you know, JP, JP loves Jimmy Garoppolo like the rest of us, but he, you know, he kind of threw him under the bus a little bit last week. Let's be real. So I think this week it's it's my turn to get a little backlash from the faithful because I have a differing opinion on the beloved Patrick Willis. Um, oh, oh, nice. This is, this is going to be real good then. Okay. Go look, ahead. Look guys, <laughs> I love Patrick Willis. When he was on this team, I, I loved him. One of my favorite players. I have multiple Patrick Willis jerseys. I've met the dude. I've gotten his autograph. He, he's probably you know, he's he's usually in the top three of all-time 49er defensive players. But he rubbed me the wrong way with the way that he walked away from the game. I know he was dealing with a foot injury, and he, he you know, he felt like he wasn't the same player that he was, and he was just beat up, and he, he, he wanted to walk away from the game while he still could. And, uh, you know, he, he, he wanted to get out of the game before things got worse for him. I know that he he paid his dues. I know he played through injuries, broken hands, whatnot. I know Patrick Willis put his body on the line each and every week, and he sacrificed himself for this team, and he paid his dues. So, he, you know, a grown man can, can walk away from the game if he wants to. But my opinion on Patrick Willis, man, he was 30 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He is getting set, for you know, to have a Hall of Fame career potentially. Uh, he walked away when Jim Harbaugh got fired. Things were getting bad, and Patrick Willis bolted. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's not a good look for Patrick Willis, who was, who was a team leader, who was uh, one of the fan favorites, to walk away when things start getting bad. And uh, not only that, he was in the prime of his career, 30 years old, plenty young enough to keep playing. And I, I feel like he walked away at an age where he easily could have kept playing and been a very productive player for this team and continue to be a leader. But he, he walked away, and I feel like he, he kind of took it for granted. How many people our age – I'm 30. I'm, I'm the age Patrick Willis was when he retired. And I would, I would play for a lot less money than what Patrick Willis was getting paid for. I feel like he took it for granted. I feel like he threw away something – that, that you or I would, would go out there and play for a lot less money to do. He is given this gift to play football and, you know, is doing something that millions of people would dream to do, and he's just, he just threw it away. He just gave it up. And that, that rubbed me the wrong way when Patrick Willis retired. Um, Summarize, J.D. hates Patrick Willis. Yeah, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag JD hates Willis. <laughs> yeah, well, just just to counter that, brother, you said I, I I get what you I get your point of view on that, but that whole 2014 offseason was probably the worst 
offseason any team in any franchise has ha had in probably ever. Just the losses that we had, the every, I mean, just it was totally, just totally out there. But one thing about Patrick Willis is I don't think he took anything for granted. I I I I would have to disagree with that. I I think Patrick Willis he had these he had these injuries, and and he he played through most of them. I mean, for years, played through most of them. I I still remember him having that big ass cast on uh, you know on his arm, and 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 basically looked looked like a, a a hammer was on his hand, but he was still out there. I mean, just. The guy put everything into it, and I think it just came to a point where he just couldn't any longer. I I, I think his foot was just so bad, he just he just couldn't give a hundred percent. And and honestly, I think that's actually, um, I think that's that should be appreciated that he knew that he wasn't gonna be a hundred percent and give that to the organization, give that to us. Uh, faithful fans, he decided, you know what, I'm not going to take the money if I can't give that 100%. I mean, I, I think that's actually good from his character. I, I don't think he took it for granted. I, I, I don't know if you want to counter that, but I, I just, I, I don't think he took it for granted. My my counter to that is the guy that he played next to for so many years, Navarro Bowman. Look at what Navarro Bowman has been through. Blowing out his knee in Seattle in a really gruesome fashion. Missing the entire next season, recovering from that injury. He comes back, plays his ass off from that injury. Then the following year, he, he tears his Achilles. I mean, Navarro Bowman has suffered way more serious injuries than Patrick Willis ever did. No, and, and I, agree, I agree with that. I and, agree with that. And he did not give up. He did not quit. He's still in the league. He's still trying to find a team right now. Navarro Bowman, I, I, I have more respect for Navarro Bowman than I do for Patrick Willis. And but, but now, J.D., with that, with those injuries, like you said, I don't know if those injuries left, uh, those injuries hasn't left Navarro Bowman uh, deformed like these injuries have left Patrick Willis as well, though. I mean, that, that also plays a factor in that. You know what I mean? Patrick said it himself that he could have played through that foot injury. He he did play through that foot injury. He said he you know he could have played. He just he just uh, didn't feel like he was able to give a hundred percent all the time. I mean, look at Navarro Bowman though. Is he is he the same player that he was pre knee injury, pre Achilles tear? No, but Navarro Bowman is out there giving all that he can for his teammates. He's still there in the locker room day in day out, being a mentor, being a leader for this team or at least he was when he was on the team. Uh, my, my level of respect for Navarro Bowman is different, and you guys can hashtag it, you know, hashtag JD hates Willis, whatever. <laughs> um, I just feel like anybody in Patrick Willis's situation that comes from backgrounds like you and I do wouldn't have gave it up like that, all the millions of dollars and the, and the potential Hall of Fame induction. And just he had – he had – an amazing career, but it could have been so much better. And it's a once it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And he just says, "Eh, I don't I don't want to play anymore. My foot hurts." Like that, that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so 
I'm sure I'll get plenty of slander for my Patrick Willis hate. But, uh, oh, yeah, and, and you definitely should get the slander. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, guys, before we do uh, move on, I just want to uh, kind of end on a good note. It's kind of somber there at the end, but what's what? what is your guys' favorite Patrick Willis memory? I'm going to start off real quick. Um, like favorite game, favorite play. Um, my favorite was back in 2008. Uh, I think it was week two. We had uh, JT O'Sullivan as our quarterback, but uh, Patrick uh -huh. Willis picked off a pass um, uh, versus Seahawks and ran it back 86 yards for a touchdown. That was by far one of my favorite uh, Patrick Willis moments um, or plays. That was by far um, amazing. Uh, do you guys have any good memories or tackles or plays or whatever? What's your uh, what's your guys' favorite? Yeah, I, I actually have two uh, just real quick. Uh, one will be in 2007 when we were on that eight-game losing streak. And uh, we, were, we were in Arizona. And uh, I remember, I believe it was in overtime. And I forget the receiver's name, but uh, they the Cardinals, they caught a pass. And I remember – from the other side of the field, Patrick Willis ran him down all, I mean, basically a game-saving tackle uh, in overtime. And I, I just I just couldn't believe the speed and the explosiveness that he did. I mean, he ran down a wide receiver and, and, and saved that touchdown, saved the game for us. Uh, and also the, 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 the biggest one for me, though, is – his entire play in that NFC championship game against the giants, uh, you know, as bad as a heartbreaker that was, we won't get into that, but that defense, him, Justin Smith, Alden Smith. I mean, everybody in that game, especially Patrick Willis getting to Eli Manning. I mean, that, that for wherever will be special to me. It's just unfortunate that, you know, we lost that game, but we were there. And if you guys watch the the NFL highlights, like behind the scenes where they're mic'd up and stuff, I mean, the Giants, they, they, they their coaches and everything was just surprised about how real that 49er defense was. And uh, that defense will always be special. And, that, and the leader was Patrick Willis. So that those would be my two favorites. You know, I do have a couple of favorite Patrick Willis plays, believe it or not. Uh, the first one came in 2008 against the New York Jets when the uh, receiver came across the middle and Patrick Willis delivered uh, a spine-tingling, just, just a, I don't even know how to describe it. Just a, He massacred the dude. He folded him up like a pretzel coming across the middle, and it was probably the hardest hit Patrick Willis ever delivered that I saw. Uh, I mean, look it up on YouTube. It's in it's in all over the highlight videos, and and you can you can find it. He he almost decapitated the dude. The dude tried to get up. He couldn't. He fell back down. Patrick Willis just uh, folded him in half. And uh, the other uh, big play that stu stood out to me with Patrick Willis was on Thanksgiving against the Baltimore Ravens, um, the year that they played them on Thanksgiving. And he blasted Ricky Williams in the backfield, um, leveled him with a hit. Uh, Patrick Willis, you know, was considered somewhat undersized, but he played really hard when he was out there. And, you know, he delivered hits that rivaled some of the biggest, you know, biggest players in the league. Um, so Patrick Willis was a hell of a hitter. And, you know, those were just a couple of the plays that, that stood out to me. Uh, then one other moment that stood out to me with Patrick Willis 
was the day that he announced he was retiring. He said, uh, I don't want to play anymore, so I'm leaving. And at that point, I said, okay, you don't want to play on this team? Good riddance. <laughs> uh, JD, it sounds like you're going to have to uh, get rid of, donate some of those uh, jerseys that you have in your closet, brother. Hey, man. Hey, I said I liked him when he was on the team. It just, you know, <laughs> my problem was with how he ended it. But uh, all right, all right. Get off my back. Get off my back. I think what we need to do at this point, just to avoid uh, any future uh, JD slander here on this episode, is we need to move on to third down. All right, guys, here we are, third down. And uh, one big story that came out this week was an article by Chris Ballard in Sports Illustrated uh, titled The Last Huddle. He wrote a story about Dwight Clark's battle with ALS and a recent uh, dinner that was held in Dwight Clark's honor at Eddie DeBartolo's ranch in Montana back in April. Uh, Eddie DeBartolo flew out former players on his private jet. They all met up with, with D Dwight Clark and relived classic memories and, and just had a good time. Ate dinner, met with each other, you know, do, doing things that the teammates do after their playing careers, you know, having having a good time together, popping a few beers and, and just reliving old memories. Uh, except for this one had a little bit more of a somber tone. As, as everybody knows, Dwight Clark is battling the crippling disease that is ALS. And it's, he's getting worse and worse by the day. There is no cure for it. So I think we all know the direction that this is headed. Eddie DeBarlo originally scheduled this, this, this dinner, uh, this meeting, uh, for a summer date. He wanted to do it this summer. But with Dwight Clark's um, declining health, he figured that the smart move would be to bump it up into April. So he flew out all these former players. Uh, out to his ranch in Montana, and they had this big dinner. And the article by Chris Ballard in Sports Illustrated was an incredible read. I highly suggest that you read it if you haven't. Um, so, the, you know, Dwight Clark is a guy that, that is a central figure in the history of the 49ers, and we all know why with the catch, uh, you know, Joe Montana to Dwight Clark in 1981. And, uh, it's a sad day. It's a sad thing to see Dwight Clark's health decline the way that it is. You don't want to see that with anybody, um, let alone a 49ers legend. And, you know, it's kind of depressing. Obviously, it's a great thing for Eddie DeBartolo to bring the former teammates together and to celebrate Dwight Clark and, and not to take this time for granted. But it's just it's a stark reminder of how fragile life is and how things can affect anybody. It doesn't matter if you're – you know, if you work in a coal mine, if you're, a, you know, a guy that works on Wall Street or if you're an NFL player, diseases can can affect anybody. And, you know, Dwight Clark's life is coming to an end. You guys, it's a, it's a sad, sad thing. And, you know, Eddie DeBarlo doing this for Dwight and doing this for his teammates speaks volumes to me of the man that Eddie DeBartolo is. He loved that team when he owned it. Everybody knows the history of Eddie DeBartolo on the 49ers and how much he just he loved the San Francisco 49ers. So for him to do this for Dwight Clark it was amazing. Of course, um, the, the 49ers themselves honored Dwight Clark with Dwight Clark Day earlier this season at Levi Stadium. Um, they know 
that Dwight Clark's time on this earth is coming to an end and they're, they're doing the best that they can to honor, you know, the man while he's still here. Uh, JP, did you get a chance to check out that article? And uh, if, if, you know, whether you did or not, what, what does Dwight Clark's legacy mean to you as a fan? What does Dwight Clark's play, you know, the catch, what does the catch mean to you and your fanhood? Yeah, I did. I did check out the article and, and it was, it was amazing. Uh, it, it, it really touched me, man. Um, you know, growing up when I was younger, um, going into like the Niners and, and, and my dad specifically, um, you know, talking about the Niners, talking about the catch, talking about uh, Eddie D, um, you know, Jerry Rice, Montana, just knowing everything from the past. Um, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, it kind of gives you chills reading this article and, and seeing the pictures as well. Um, the pictures that they had there is just every single picture is of them smiling, laughing, and just enjoying life. You know, there's as as JD you said, Dwight Clark doesn't have much more time on this earth. So um just you just gotta enjoy every single minute that you can, every single second. And and to do it with um with one of your best you know best friends, uh, you know, family. That was a family back then, back in the in the eighties. So that that Niner team um with Eddie D, um, you know, as as you guys, you know, if you we'll, we'll probably link the article if you guys want to check it out, but um the article in itself is is great, but I think that the thing that touched me more was just all the photos um, that was there. You know, there's in in every single picture, Dwight Dwight Clark is laughing, smiling. Everybody around him's just you know smiling. They're just having a good time, like you said, JD. They're popping beers, they're eating, they're you know just relaxing. It's just it's just something that you need to do. You need to really take advantage of, um, especially in Dwight Clark's situation. Um, touching on Eddie D real quick, Eddie D. Um, so growing up, I'm 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 Italian descent. Eddie De Bartolo, also Italian descent. So um, I was always, you know, driven home the point from my family, from my you know my father's side, that um, you know Eddie De Bartolo, an Italian, it's just something that you know something you you have pride in. You know what I mean? You're a Niners fan, obviously pride. You're faithful, but to to have somebody at the helms that's also Italian that just even dr- drives the point home more to be a, a, a fan and, and supporter of this team. <clears throat> and, uh, and it's great. And he was, I'm call me biased or if you want, he's the greatest owner of, of all time, the way he treated his players, um, you know, okay, maybe he did slide a couple extra bucks underneath the table. If you had a, you know, a couple sacks or a good hit or, or, or whatnot, but, that's what made him good. That's what made him family. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't say, you know, Oh, you have to go do this. You have to go do that. Hey, if you get this done, Hey, here's a couple extra bucks. You know what I mean? So he's, he's by far. And and it, it speaks volumes now that he's, he's bringing all these players back and, and treating them like family, flying them out to his ranch in Montana. So, um, but the catch, what the catch meant to me is it, it's the start of, you know, the greatest, run dynasty uh in you know one of the greatest dynasties in sports history um that that just set it off um and i'm sure every niner fan has seen the play millions upon millions upon millions of times um 
and and it never gets old. It never gets old. I can I can have that on repeat twenty four seven. It's one of the greatest uh, plays uh, in in also in sports history. Um, and it's you know it's crazy. You can kind of feel the energy of the crowd every time. Every time you can feel the energy of the crowd. Everyone going nuts. People throwing confetti in the air uh, with their bell bottom jeans on and everything. So. Um, but it's it it definitely it definitely touches home, man. That's that's the start of everything. That's what I've grown up to to know. Even before you know Terrell Owens caught that pass, before Vernon Davis caught that that pass, um, it was Dwight Clark. And that's you know growing up, that's what that's what I've been told, and uh, it's it's amazing. So just to wrap it up, um, appreciate appreciate everybody that that's in your life, family, parents, you know anybody, because. Um, Every day is the next day is not promised. And I hate to get a little somber and mushy gushy here on the forever faithful podcast, but it's true. It's true. Um, especially with Dwight Clark, you know, what's going on with him. So it's, it, it kind of warms my heart to see all these people, uh, family meet up with him and, uh, you know, it's great. Uh, Tone, what are your thoughts on, uh, on the catch and, and Dwight Clark? Well, before I get to uh, the catch uh, real fast, uh, according to uh, I read an article about, you know, this whole Dwight Clark, you know, the party and stuff. But one thing I read another article about Eddie D was Eddie D's looking at uh, the old practice facility in Redwood City and uh, looking at maybe there were some causes of ALS over there with former players. Because we did have three former 49ers from the 60s. They they had ALS and they, they passed away in the uh, mid to late 80s. And uh, Eddie D once is, is having some kind of investigation on maybe something around that Redwood City area. Maybe it was the field, the fertilizer, um, something to, to help spark this ALS. Because um, he thinks uh, it could be connected with Dwight Clark and uh so that that was actually is you know that that actually kind of blew my mind I was like oh wow I, I didn't even think of that so you know Eddie D still looking for answers um as far as Eddie D as the greatest owner of all time like you said JP I'm totally with you on that first class and I'll tell you how much of a first class we had a, after the 1989 earthquake we had uh a game against the Patriots at Stanford Stadium and Jeff Fuller who's one who had a potential to be one of our best safeties probably in history. He had that type of potential. And he went ahead and went in for a tackle and got paralyzed. And uh, Eddie D always, he said it from that day that he will always have a contract with the San Francisco 49ers. He will be paid for life. I mean, just the type of person that Eddie D is, it doesn't surprise me to bring all these players in. I mean, he's just that type of person. He's a first-class guy. He takes care of his players. He treats them all like family. And I mean, you have to love this guy. And yes, he is the greatest owner of all time. Um, as far as Dwight Clark, 49er icon, uh, him and Joe Montana will always be connected. Um, you know, and, and people forget how good of a receiver he was. Everybody just remembers the catch because it was so iconic. But I've seen a lot of time. This is before my time. You know, but I've seen a lot of 49er games from the early 80s, uh, uh, you know, and I, I, you can watch, you can find pretty much a lot of games, you know, online. And uh, Dwight Clark was a, was a, a classic uh, possession receiver. 
he he always uh he he was always running he had precise routes he was always there um and he had very reliable hands uh he was our top uh receiver for years until um Jerry Rice was drafted um so he was a great all-time receiver for the 49ers and uh the catch just was such a big thing you know because we beat Dallas finally because we lost to Dallas People forget that the the rivalry with Dallas goes back to the '70s when we played them in three straight playoff uh, years, two NFC Championship games and a divisional round, and lost each time. And so when the catch came in '81, the big bad Dallas Cowboys was talking all this shit, and the 49ers, the upstart 49ers, right? You know, the the catch basically ended their dynasty in the '70s and started ours in the '80s, and then of course it came full circle in the '90s. But the catch was such an iconic play for not only the 49ers, but for the whole Bay Area, the whole region. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was before my time, but I've watched that game so many times, seen that play so many times. It never gets old, you know. Uh, and, it, I mean, it doesn't re- ever get old when you watch the Niners beat Dallas. I mean, it never gets old. Um, but a- as far as the impact on me, I mean, it, it growing up, uh, the 49ers were, it was Super Bowl or bust. And it all started from the catch and it all started from, you know, upstarting that dynasty. And then, you know, then after I got older in the years, you know, ADD got out and blah, blah, blah. We know the whole story. But, you know, it, it's just a big impact um, on this organization. And it's just so sad to see Dwight in this uh, shape because, you know, he always was in the public, uh, you know, whether he was a GM or, or he was out there uh, uh, meeting greets, um, you know, doing different type of stuff. You know, it, it's just you see him in interviews and he's just so happy and, and, and he's just such a he's a real good, humble guy. And to see him in the state he is, I mean, that speech at Levi Stadium last year on Dwight Clark Day was just so so sad, man. I, I, it almost brought tears to my eyes. So, you know, I, 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 I you know, I pray for them. I, I wish them all the best. I just wish, uh, you know, he, he wasn't going through this, man, but it, it, it's really sad. And like you said, JP, you know, definitely love your family, love your friends, you know, the people that's close to you, the close knit people that are close, you know, it's, uh, you know, time is short and you just never know what happens. So, but yeah, I mean the the catch meant a, a lot to me. Uh, so did the catch two. So did the catch three. You know, hopefully we will get a catch four. So, but yeah, that that that's my thoughts on that. I'm gonna take it one step further, and I'm gonna say that Dwight Clark and the catch could very well be the the most uh, the, the biggest singular moment in 49ers history that shaped all three of our fanhoods because the three of us were not born when the catch happened. We didn't see the play happen live, we're, but we're all too young to have seen it live. But what the catch did, it, it sparked that 80s dynasty. It, it revitalized the San Francisco 49ers organization. It made the 49ers organization into the, the first class team that it became to the, the dynasty that it became. And 
with the three of us being, you know, too young or not, you know, obviously we weren't, we weren't born when the catch happened, but we were too young in the eighties and early nineties to really have appreciated those dynasty years. But the catch sparked all that. And growing up, I remember my grandfather, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand football when I was a young, young kid, but I knew who Joe Montana was. I knew who Jerry Rice was. I knew who Deion Sanders was. I knew Roger Craig, you know, I knew what I knew about the catch. I knew the name, you know, Dwight Clark. And all that was started by Dwight Clark. Dwight Clark started the Niners dynasty. He started the Niners for what we all know them to be now. And I feel like that play shaped, and you guys might disagree with me, but I feel like it's, I know it shaped, it helped shape my fanhood because my grandfather was the biggest Niner fan that I've ever known. And he's the reason I am the Niner fan that I am today. And I know that that play, the catch, made him a bigger fan. I'm sure, uh, JP, I know your dad raised you to be a Niner fan. I'm sure the catch made him a bigger fan. Tone, I know your, your dad and your grandpa both, you know, you're a third-generation Niner fan, and I'm sure the catch made them bigger Niner fans, and, and, and that was brought on to you. So I feel like Dwight Clark, I, I feel like that play, that impact of that play is so much more than just beating the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. I feel like that moment in time is, is, is kind of the reason we are the fans that we are today because it shaped this team and it shaped the organization and it gave this team the start to, to that dynasty and the history that, that we all know about. So I want to thank Dwight Clark for making that play. I want to thank Dwight Clark for helping shape me into the fan that I am today, even though I didn't see the play live. And uh, Matt Mayoko of MB NBC Bay Area recently tweeted out that he's going to be visiting Dwight Clark on uh, his property in Montana here in the coming weeks. And he encouraged Niner fans to write letters to Dwight Clark, whether that be handwritten or via email. If you look on Matt Mayoko's Twitter, he gives you the instructions on how and where to send your letters, but he's encouraging Niner fans to, to write Dwight Clark letters because he's going to be going out there to visit Dwight and he wants to hand deliver these to, to Dwight to have uh, have Dwight read through them and, and see what he meant to the Niner fans. And I'm going to be for one writing Dwight Clark a letter and sending it to Mayoko. I'm not going to, I'm not going to email it. I'm going to hand write it and I'm going to give it to Matt Mayoko to, to send to Dwight. And I want Dwight to know, what he meant to me and what he meant to my family and, and what he meant to my fanhood. And it, again, it's a really depressing, sad story, but you know, at the end of the day, Dwight Clark made all of us better fans. And that's the one thing that I feel like we should remember with Dwight Clark above, above all else. So, um, enough with, uh, the sad stuff, uh, you know, I think we've kind of hit this one on the head. Unless you guys have anything, any additional thoughts, JP or Tone, on on Dwight Clark? No, nah, man, I don't. Uh, I just thought, you know, I think we covered it really well. But I think this all, all real hit us uh, where it hurts. But hey, he's uh, he's one of the all time greats, and just like you said, JD, he's he's you know one of the main reasons why we are uh, the fans we are today. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, he his impact on not only football, but just family and, and, and just everybody, like you said, J.D., uh, I mean, he's, he, he's such a special, iconic person for this organization. And, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's just it's just hard to see him like this. But, uh, you know, we'll always love Dwight and uh, he'll always have a special place in all the hearts. And even for future uh, generations that will be far gone from seeing him uh, play football, but they'll know who Dwight Clark is. All right, guys, with that, we're going to move on to our fourth and final down. All right, faithful, here on fourth down, we uh, ordinarily would like to answer some questions from you, the listeners, you, the 49er faithful. But uh, this week, we're going to we're going to take it in a, in a different direction. Uh, before we get there, I, I just want to remind all the listeners, all the 49er faithful that tune into this podcast on a weekly basis, we, we want to let you guys know that we have some stuff in the works, you guys. The 49er faithful are going to be very pleased with what this podcast has to offer going forward. We have uh, some big plans in the works, and uh, you'll have to tune in each and every week to see uh, what we're up to. You know, of course, last week we interviewed Richie James, and uh, moving forward, we're going to do bigger and better things. So I encourage everybody that listens to the Forever Faithful podcast to uh, stay tuned. We have a lot of uh, big things coming and uh, nobody nobody's going to do it bigger and better than the Forever Faithful podcast. I can promise you that. Uh, but here on fourth down, I wanted to uh, get into a lighter topic. We, we just, you know, reached on, uh, we just touched on the, the Dwight Clark topic and I feel like that kind of brought the mood of the podcast down a little bit. But before we end the show, I want to lift everybody's spirits up a little bit because, look, it's Mother's Day weekend, you guys. You know, we all know what Mother's Day weekend is. We you know we all love our moms. So I figured we could go around the room and, and kind of share what what our plans are with our moms on uh, on Mother's Day. Um, JP, uh, what do you got going on, brother? Not much, man. Not much. I'm just uh, probably going to go visit my parents, see my mom. Uh, have a nice little breakfast, nice little brunch, spend the day with her. Um, so she's a grandma. So I'm going to try to, uh, my sister's child, my little nephew. So I'm going to try to get, uh, get him out of her hair for a little bit, have her relax a little bit along with my sister. And, um, and yeah, man, just, uh, just relax, enjoy, uh, have them enjoy some time and spend some time with the little ones. So, um, it's exciting. Like I said, man, just like last topic, we got to spend spend as much time as you can with with the ones you love. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. Those are my plans. What about you guys? Well, I, I, I don't have to, uh, too many plans uh, for this weekend. Um, no, my 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 current situation. But as far as uh, everything uh, with, you know, my family that uh now you know we're gonna go to uh visit my um my girlfriend's uh family they're having a big mother's day party and um today we're gonna actually go to the beach you know just basically treat my uh you know treat my lady uh have a nice relaxing weekend and uh you know visit her side of the family tomorrow so that that's pretty much what i'm doing um 
but yeah, everything, you know, everything, like you guys said, you know, gotta make sure you appreciate the little things with your family. Um, because the little things is what counts. And that's what matters. That's what people remember the most. And, um, yeah, just moments like this, you know, never take for granted. And just, we're just going to have a good time. It's going to create some good memories this weekend. What about you, JD? Um, well, we're recording this podcast here on Saturday. Mother's Day is tomorrow, uh, Sunday, May 13th. Um, but my mom and I uh, decided to do uh, something kind of uh, kind of funny. Instead of going out tomorrow on Sunday with all the crowds of people going out to all the restaurants and everything, we're actually going to go out to lunch today and try and beat the crowds a little bit. And uh, we're going to go to one of our favorite steak restaurants and, and have a nice lunch here in a little while. Um, so that'll be fun. I uh, love my mom to death and, uh, you know, want to show her a good Mother's Day. So um, with that, I think we kind of covered everything this week, you guys. Um, you know, we hit on Reuben Foster. We hit on my hate for Patrick Willis. And we hit on Dwight Clark. So um, <laughs> I, feel like, uh, I feel like we had another good podcast, you guys. Yeah, it was, it was a great podcast. Uh, love uh, recording with you guys, man. And and just for all the listeners out there, I, I, I want to just hit it on the nail. Keep letting you guys know exactly what JD said. We got a lot of things coming for you guys. Uh, we 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 talk. You know, we all three of us, the the co-founders of this podcast, have been great friends for years and we'll continue that for many 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 years to come but we talk outside of this podcast and, and as friends and we come up with so many different ideas so many different uh ways to uh, give you guys all the 49er coverage you need and uh, we have a lot of big plans in the works and 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 i just love that we have this podcast together as the three of us and and i appreciate jp and jd man these are my these are my really really close friends so i, I appreciate them and uh, yeah please guys stay tuned follow the the twitter facebook you can get on uh itunes the podcast give us those reviews um five stars you know thumbs up whatever media platform you're getting this the forever faithful podcast on go ahead and just show the support for us. And uh, yeah, man, a happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. So, you know, I hope you, uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Yeah, y'all. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate everybody who's listening and uh, yeah, another great podcast guys. Uh, I know there was not too much to talk about, but I think the things that we did talk about, we touched on really well. Um, one thing I do want to touch on, I just want to give a shout out uh, to Rombo Sports uh huge niner podcast uh he has on youtube uh he gave us a little shout out so all the people that came over from his show that are listening to us big shout out thank you guys for coming and supporting uh just some niner niner fans talking some niner sports uh big appreciate uh, appreciation for that um but hey follow us on on twitter facebook send us questions we want to interact with you guys let us know what's going on um and of course slander jd for hating patrick willis and slander me for uh, hating Jimmy G, but uh, but yeah, great podcast. Uh, JD, what do you think, man? Send us out. Yeah, just uh, I encourage all the faithful to tweet, 
you know, JP and, you know, hashtag JP hates Garoppolo, you know, throw that out there um, as much as you can, as often as you can get that trending on Twitter. Um, and, or you can also, you know, you can tweet me hashtag JD hates Willis. You know, I don't, I don't encourage you to get that trending, but you can tweet it out there if you want. I'll get it trending. Uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, there we have it. Episode five wrapped up here on the Forever Faithful podcast. We're getting into the, the you know, the dark days uh, of summer here. Summer's coming up and there's not a lot going on in the world of football the next couple of months. But you can rest assured that as any news breaks, we're going to talk about it here on the Forever Faithful podcast. And again, please stay tuned because we have some big things in the works uh, with player interviews and, and, and other things. So, even if there's not a lot of Niner news to talk about, we are still going to try our absolute best to bring you the the greatest original content here uh, on the web when it comes to, you know, 49er fandom. So with that, this was episode five. I hope everybody has a great weekend. And uh, as always, man, it's one team, one family, and one goal. <laughs>